I am a podcaster, an audio engineer, and a business owner. I'm also interested in your story. We're interested in your story. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast, where I help to tell stories of greatness from the perspectives of blackness. I interview entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs authors, authors, educators, educators, aspiring men and women who are doing great things in the black community, whose stories need to be told and heard. That's you. I talk about generational wealth creation, buying black, educating black youth, mentorship, relationships, and much, much more. Join us on Apple Podcast, Apple Spotify, Spotify, Radio Public, Radio Public Google, Podcast, Google Podcast, and a host of other streaming platforms. I drop new and exciting episodes every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in. You just might hear someone that you know. You might hear some very, very great information. God bless. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast with your host, Mr. Black Ovation. Yes, yes, yes. It is another time for a great episode. Listen, I'm going to be speaking to an author who has authored his first book. He is Detroit, born and raised, and his name is Trey Styles. So you guys actually stay tuned. All right, and we're back. Uh, thank you for listening to the All Things Black podcast. Again, I'm your host, Mr. Black Ovation. Uh, several episodes in I'm loving the feedback that I'm getting from multiple people that have listened to the podcast thank you thank you very much uh, remember you can always listen to us on Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts Radio Public a host of streaming platforms that are already out there that you can pick up this podcast on either one of those but above all make sure you listen make sure you like make sure you share make sure you comment right comments are feedback to me and it helps me to build the show better for you as the listeners like you heard me say in the introduction i'm going to be interviewing an author born and raised out of detroit and his name is mr trey styles so what i'm going to do at this point i'm going to introduce mr trey styles to you guys and let him tell a, tell a little bit more about who he is and then we'll get into the conversation so at this point mr trey styles will you come forward sir and uh kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and then we'll get into our subject matter thank you brother i appreciate you for inviting me on to your show as you told all this my name is trey styles i was born and raised in detroit michigan and growing up in detroit michigan it wasn't easy you know it's a tough place but contrary to popular opinion there's a lot of good people that come from detroit and a lot of great things that come out of detroit what got me to this point in my life is that I was uh, born in Detroit, and I grew up in a tough environment. I grew up in a dysfunctional family, just to be quite honest with you. And I didn't have a lot of role models coming up. I didn't have a lot of positive male figures in my life. And when I was a, a teenager, I was battling depression, severe depression. But what had happened to get me to the point where I got into writing and reading and learning about my history was at age 14 I witnessed a catastrophic event in my life that 
changed the whole trajectory of my life. It hadn't been easy up until that point, but this incident only made it worse. I witnessed a, a, a fatal shooting when I was a 14 year old. And prior to that happening in eighth grade, I was coming out of my shell. I was getting more confident. Now, even I had more confidence when it came to speaking to the young ladies, <laughs> you know, as a as a young kid. But that changed everything for me because I witnessed that, that fatal shooting that was extremely close to home and I went into a deep-seated depression. I went into such a deep-seated depression that I was paranoid to go anywhere. I was afraid to live. I was afraid to interact with anybody because I always thought that someone would come and retaliate to me because of, you know, what happened with one of my family members. So I went into such a deep depression that I wanted to commit suicide. Only three things stopped me from committing suicide. One, I was I was scared to do it. Two, I didn't want to leave my mom. And three, I was brought up to believe at that time that if you committed suicide, that you would go to hell. So looking for an escape, I wasn't going to do drugs. I wasn't going to commit suicide, anything like that to escape. So books became my escape. I was inspired by the Malcolm X movie uh, created by Spike Lee. And from there, I got into Malcolm X heavy. I started reading the dictionary just like Malcolm X. I read every single book I could find on Malcolm X. And Malcolm X, in a way, became like an idea for me, like a concept, to, to the point that he was so influential in my life that it's kind of, be, it's kind of like how God is for, for some people. A lot of them view him as a God, I just held him extremely high. And I tried to model myself after Malcolm X and, and uh, carry myself like Malcolm X because he was known to be a man that was respectable and of the highest character. And from that point on, you know, I just developed a high level of discipline. I became really serious about my learning, my study, my studies and things, and, and my community. And from there, it, it still wasn't easy. I still battled depression off and on during those teenage years. And eventually I ended up going to a, a mental institution for five days. And I, I, I had a, a breakdown that led me to going to at mental institution, but I made a vow to myself that when I was in there laying on that bed, I said I would never get that low in life again. And fortunately, I never got that low in my life thus far again, although it has been some tough times, even more recently, some extremely tough times. But I never got that low again. But it was that experience as a teen, and it was me learning about Brother Malcolm that got me to be a, a strong, focused brother. And I remember being in eighth grade and writing a paper about how family, how music is important to our family. And I, when I wrote that paper, my mama said it was so beautiful that it made her cry. And I'm thinking our mama's just saying that because I'm her son. And you know, our parents tend to big us up, especially mom, and then too much to compare yeah. to a mother's love. Right, right, right. So she big me up and I was just thinking that, uh, oh no, this is my mom saying that. It was one to later on that those senior years and I got to read about Malcolm and I started trying to write my raps and stuff like that. And I saw I had a gift of writing. I even got into a creative writing course when I was in high school in Detroit. You know, and, and I was up and down in high school. I was on the honor roll half the time, and half the time I wasn't. But I was uh, on the honor roll because, you know, I got inspired by Malcolm. But I was more inspired really outside of school when I got on to do all my reading. So that's what got me to this point of those teenage years. I remember graduating high school. My English teacher told me I could write for the newspaper. She said, congratulations, future writer. I went on to college. You know, major in political science because I was going to be a lawyer, but I decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. And from there, I went to grad school and got an MPA, a Master's of Public Administration, worked as a youth counselor, 
a financial aid officer at Wayne State University in Detroit. And from there, I decided it was time to write my story and tell my story because I was secure, my, secure, self, secure enough of myself to share my insecurities with the world because I realized I wasn't alone. There was a lot of brothers going through what I was going through. And then you have Black Boy Ross. All right, man. Uh, you definitely said a lot. And that was, uh, you got to forgive me, I didn't necessarily introduce the book that that you authored so I'm glad you said it at the end there the book that Trey Styles has authored it is called Black Boy Arise and that was published when Trey? it was uh, published officially last uh, April of 2020 okay. uh, through a self-publishing house it was a, it was a black and self-published house but from there you know I decided I wanted like just to control everything pretty much so I republished it basically in September of 2020 okay yeah and we kind of touched uh, touched, uh, touched on that offline I'm, I'm glad that you actually wanted to take control of everything that you do I'm absolutely excited about that uh, you said quite a bit in your intro we're going to try our best to dive off into a lot of it before we do that though, I just I want to say this and I want to be you know very straightforward about it and and, and, and and heartfelt as possible I'm glad that you know there was some intervention I don't know if you want to call it God I don't know if you want to call it family or anything like that but I'm glad there was intervention and your hand was stayed so that you can continue to be here you know I believe everybody has a purpose that comes into existence and we definitely have to find what that person is that 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 purpose is and sometimes it doesn't necessarily come out uh, right away you know sometimes it takes very trying circumstances for us to see what our purpose is so you definitely have a story you definitely have a purpose and i'm glad you're that the hand was stayed from you taking your own life i hope that doesn't sound selfish or anything like that but i just believe in people having a purpose uh they come into existence and we don't necessarily know what that is right away right and now here you are absolutely now here you are have written your first book and letting people know about your life experiences so i think that's phenomenal i think that's great i want you to continue to stay inspired and continue to keep growing but yeah, man, Motown, Motown, uh, Detroit, Motown. Uh, uh, what, what are we talking about? Detroit Tigers. We're talking about the Pistons. I used to watch the Pistons growing up. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm in that arrow. You know what I'm saying? Well, they, the bad boys at Detroit. I used to watch all of that, man. You know, all of that, man. So Detroit, like you said originally, is, you know, there's a lot that came out of Detroit. You talked about the Great Migration. You know, a lot of our people ended up in, in Detroit. I've heard names uh, about the amount of black people that were there. You know, they at one point there was a certain section that was called Black Bottom because there were so many black people that was there. And, you know, Detroit has given the world or this, uh, you know, this this country so much. You know, it was Motor, Motor City, Motor Town. A lot of factory workers there, a lot of blue collar workers. And black people in general that have helped cultivate culture uh, in a lot of ways you know uh, forgive me if I butcher it but I know some of the sayings there in Detroit is what up though <laughs> you know 
yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of lot of culture in Detroit. And all you're doing, in my opinion, is is lending to that culture by doing exactly what you're doing. So uh again, congratulations on that feat. That's not easy to write a book out here. I've been trying to write books for I don't know how long now and I haven't even accomplished it. So that, that's a big congratulations. One of the things that I heard you talk about was your encounter with autobiography of Malcolm X, right? Yes. A lot of us have, you know, if you go throughout and talk to a lot of black men and, and women, uh, a lot of us did become inspired by his life. You know his legacy, his his, his autobiography, and things like that. Uh, I think I think you mentioned it, but what was it? What age was it that you began to learn about Malcolm X? And what of that? What of his teachings, his legacy? What inspired you from that to begin to? You know, look at yourself differently, other than the way you had been looking at yourself. Well, I was around age 14, 15, when I really started to learn about Malcolm X. Because when I was coming up in elementary school, we used to hear about Malcolm X, but I didn't hear much about him. And in fact, I thought he was some kind of villain because it seemed to me that people was afraid to talk about him. Mm, okay. So it, 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 seemed like, yeah, it seemed like he was some kind of villain or some kind of monster in a way, like because people were like afraid to talk about him so I'm thinking he's in a way some kind of crazy person because I was just hearing whispers of his name and you know like literally I, I just hear whispers of his name but I didn't know much about him so when I saw that Spike Lee movie and I was like I was depressed and I was like wow that's interesting but what stood out to me really about that is when he read that dictionary wrote the whole dictionary yeah. and what stood out the most about him writing the dictionary was the, the word black when mm-hmm. he when he read the word black and I saw what black meant in the you know the English vocabulary I was like wow so I just look at, you know, instantly in the dictionary and say, wow, that's, it's still it's still like that. <laughs> you know, it, it hasn't changed. I'm thinking, okay, maybe it was like that when, when he was he was coming up. You know, he was born in 1925. I was born in 1989. So by the time I'm in middle school, starting, you know, eighth grade, starting ninth grade, 2002, 2003. And I'm like, wow, it hasn't changed. That was almost a century from when he first was born. Right. So that was why I was amazed by that. I just started writing out the dictionary like he did. Now, honestly, I, I never wrote the whole thing out like he did. <laughs> Maybe it was a little different because you know, he was locked up in prison and had a little bit more time. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't write out the the whole the whole dictionary or not. But it just stood out to me as his story. I was like, wow, because at first, you know, Brother Malcolm was, he, in fact, he was in eighth grade like me when he was like the best student, mm. I recall. He, and they told him when he said he wanted to be a lawyer and the, the white teacher told him that no, he that's couldn't too, do it. Uh, yeah. he, he couldn't do it. Yeah, like, he, he was probably try being a carpenter. What do you say? Uh, Jesus was a carpenter, all that. So that kind of dimmed his, you know, his uh, his light in a way. And that's when he uh, went off, like you know, into the streets or whatever, because you know, mess with his confidence. You know, that's what. He, I mean, that's a teacher. Our teachers are leaders. So when the teacher tell you that, you know, you, a lot of times you believe it. Right. So that's just uh, so that's just what got me on Malcolm. I was like, his story is just so beautiful. He went through so many transformations, like throughout his life, and he always embraced the truth, no matter how harsh it was or how hard it was. 
and, and I didn't have nobody around me like that. Yeah, and see, that's what that's the point I wanted you to get to. That's the point I wanted you to get to because uh, a lot of times we do run into people, run into, you know, inspirational books like the autobiography of Malcolm X. Sometimes we just, you know, we need something to either visually mm-hmm. let us see what transformation looks like and what it looks like to triumph over your own circumstances sometimes we as you know especially as black men you know what i mean because i heard you touch on the you know the fact that you know you walked around with a little depression and stuff like that and uh and 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 and, you know if you talk to if you talk to black men in general you'll see a lot of us grew up with that same mindset you know even even though it may not have looked like it like some of us outwardly were so you know brash and, and and vocal and you know, and it looks like, we, you know, we had it all together. But deep down inside, when you live in this type of society as a black man, it seems like everything is stacked against you. So there is a degree of depression that just about all of us go through. If you would but just sit down and talk to us. Right. It's just not the it's just not some of us that had a deplorable home life or maybe a missing father or something like that. All of us trying to navigate this space have had a degree of depression that we had to deal with because of the environment that is so quote unquote cultivating us or indoctrinating us and that's kind of what i wanted you to get to was the fact that you found inspiration in you know reading malcolm x's autobiography and that actually changed your your direction and traject trajectory and now who you stand now authoring your own book so i think that i think that's an absolutely great story so so like i said you said quite a bit in your opening about that so again you talked about the you know the fact that you were walking around depressed you know certain events that actually happened that kind of you know spiraled you to a degree off just a little bit further into that depression did the did writing the book or reading the autobiography i can't even talk (laughs) autobiography of malcolm x did that kind of service you in a way that it took you away from thoughts of depression it did because you know it started with that book but I read I read you know tons of books so I was like the one you know just really stood out to me and the thing about the book is uh, it definitely helped me because reading was my escape it was like my escape from my harsh reality and I was looking for an escape and I wasn't going to do drugs or, or actually commit you know the act of suicide so it was an escape for me to another world but fortunately that the escape to the new world brought me into a new reality you know it, had, it helped me deal with the harsh reality of being a black man in america instead of running away from my problems i ran to find answers to my problems like why my community is like this why my family dysfunctional like this you know why do i feel this way about myself why why america and why the world is like that so it just helped me uh yeah i mean helped me get understanding of my place as a black man in America, in the world, and what happened to us, and why we are the way we are. Yeah. So it just answered a whole lot of questions, you know, about the, the black condition for me. So I was like, okay, now I understand this, and I understand that. And best believe, when I started learning about my history and stuff, I started trying to tell everybody something about it. And I experienced the same thing that Mark experienced. Like, he used to talk to people and want to share this information. They're like, oh, man, get out of my face. Well, they just laugh. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, hear that. Yeah. People looking at you like you're weird. You know, I became such a heavy reader, a voracious reader. You know, that I would kind of came like a, a recluse in some ways because it, I was just 
enthralled, you know, with what I was learning. And it was weird to me being around people who didn't want to learn nothing and people that was older than me when I questioned them about things, like even my mom and, you know, about some of the things they taught us or some of the things we were, were coming up or some of the abuse that happened in my home as far as, like, I, I love my grandmother a lot. That's my baby. But I know when we were coming up, you know, some of the things we were with, you know, I, I don't agree with that. You know, I, now I got hindsight. You know, I, I didn't think it was right. And I would tell my mama, even as a teen, as I be, began reading, and she always said, well, you know, the kid's going to stay in the kid's place. And I said, well, mama won't do this or do that. I told my her mama, she said, well, I ain't mama. So it was, it, it was a lot of people around me, you know, a lot of talkers, but not a lot of walkers. And I was no way I'm trying to put my mother down because me yeah. and my mama are extremely close. Yeah, She's yeah. always been my number one supporter. But it was just me questioning some of the things that I was brought up on. And I remember even being like outcast in my own family. And I remember actually my uh, uncle telling me when I was 17, he told me I was gay because I read books. And wow. that, you know, hurt my feelings. Yeah, I hurt my feelings as a, you know, as a 17 year old, even though I was coming up out of my shell. You know, it, took, it took time. But that hurt my feelings because, you know, you're a 17 year old young man growing up in the, in the hood. And, you know, we come from a community where our masculinity, our, our masculinity, excuse me. Is at a premium. You know, it's all about being hard. It's all about being tough. It's all yeah. about being unfeeling. Yeah. So that kind of so hurt my feelings. Even though I wore a straight face, like wasn't nothing bothering me. But you know, a lot of brothers, you learn how to hide what's really bothering us. Yeah. That also leads to a lot of us dying so young because yeah. we hold in so much and be stressed out. You got brothers my age uh, dying from brain aneurysms, dying from heart attacks. Not because they own drugs, man, but some of them overly stressed. Stressed. We don't have no yeah. outlets, a lot of us, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, so, uh, you know, that, that definitely uh, had, you know, bothered me when I was a teen. I wore, like I said, I wore a straight face. But, you know, I just learned to, you know, just deal with it. And I was kind of outcast for a long time within my own community. But as I got older, some of these same people came to me and said, you were the smart one. My uncle, my uncle, actually, before he passed, came and told me he was proud of me. <clears throat> he was like, hey, you doing things we didn't even know you was doing, man. I'm, I'm damn proud of you, man. See? You know, that's so good. And we kind of repaired our relationship towards, you know, the end of his life. Well. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't an easy road at all. I, mean, I can't say I had a, a lot of support. And I, and I think I know what got me to write Black Boy Rise was like to get some sense of community with the brothers who feel alone out here. I, and that's why also led me to start my podcast, Black Man Talk, to show that black men, we, we are human. And it's human yeah. for us to feel. It's human for us to cry. It doesn't mean that you saw it. doesn't mean weak. it's human for you to deal with a heartbreak. Yeah. A woman can break your heart. It don't mean you're weak or you're a punk. You're human. Yep, yep. I remember you told me about that too. We're going to get into that as well because I want the listeners to know you do uh, have an up and coming podcast, or it's already been established. But, but yes, just to already, share, yes, sir, yes, sir, absolutely. Uh, well, as a matter of fact, since we're talking about that, well, uh, say the name of the podcast one more time. It's one word: Black Man Talk. Black Man Talk, and you can hear that on just about the same streaming platforms that I mentioned earlier about this podcast. I, yeah. Just to, just to share a a, a a quick a quick piece about my life is because it's because it's almost it's almost in the same vein of some of the stuff that you actually go, went through. So mm-hmm. so so I was sixteen, right? I was about sixteen in in uh, in, uh, in going to school, and and I'm sharing this for a specific reason. So, so 16, going to school, having to get up early in the morning, get yourself together, stuff like that. I would literally, because I came in contact with a, I used to live in Kansas City, Midwest. 
uh, I came in contact with a radio show that was broadcasted at night. Started at about 11 o'clock at night. It was broadcasted out of Chicago called Night Talk, WGCI in Chicago. And it was hosted by Bob Law. Bob Law was phenomenal, right? Because I learned more in those two hours about who I was and what was going on in the world than I did at any other time in my life. Going to school, all of that kind of stuff was meant nothing, meant absolutely nothing to me. And I will continuously mm-hmm. listen to that type of uh, 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 show to gain more information and knowledge about myself, my people, and what was going on. So that that began to shape my reality. So you're not alone. There's, there's tons of stories like that from a lot of us as young men that have encounters with people that either have insight, have knowledge, or want to basically hand down a lot of what they know there's in books and books and all that kind of stuff and one of the things that kind of deter us as black men not not so much now but before you know growing up you know kind of deterred us from that kind of stuff again what you kind of you know you know raised earlier was you know the masculinity you had to be hard you had to be tough you had to be x y and z you had to be a player you had to be all of this kind of stuff in order to be seen as something in the, in the neighborhood and when you took an opposite direction or opposite path per se like he was talking about you know loving to loving read loving to be able to read and then you're writing and all this other kind of stuff that is kind of seem like you know it seems to a lot of people that you're weird you know you're you're you're, you're strange right because that's that's not something that we're accustomed to now you can't blame them because that's the environment that we were all born in right you can't blame them but, but but one of the things I want to say I'm, uh, for you is that I'm glad you prevailed through all of that. And now that you're, you know, in a position that you are now, the people that were in your immediate sphere of influence, they can now see why that was so important. And they congratulated you and said the things that they said because, you know, you kind of persevered. Sometimes we we want to check people to see whether or not if they're genuine, if they're if they're real about what it is that they say they're trying to accomplish. And black people are like that sometimes i just want to test you i want to see if you're for real and you 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 showed them that you were absolutely for real and again here we stand you writing your first book you're talking about your life experiences right and that kind of stuff so i so again i want to congratulate you with that and again i just wanted to tell that story for that specific reason so mr trey let's talk about the book we we've been intermittently talking about the book the book can be purchased where? You can find you can find my book, Black Boy Rise, on Amazon. You can get it via paperback or ebook. Okay, so so Amazon, paperback, ebook. Okay, perfect. How many pages are are, are, are in the book? And the book is about one hundred and sixty five pages. Okay, so that's fairly a quick read then. That's a, that's a quick read. So, 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 so again, anybody that is into reading books, anybody is into reading personal life stories, definitely go and pick up uh, Trey Styles book that you can again find on Amazon. You can, you know, purchase it in a paperback. You can pick it up on ebook and it is called Black Boy Arise. Why did you name it Black Boy Arise? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Black Boy Arise, it, it, it was an idea with me. And the idea of me and the editor came across because it's 
essentially it's an underdog story. It's a black, young black boy going into manhood. He's going through a lot in order to become a man. He's, he's battling self-esteem issues. He's battling uh, depression. He's battling his own community in a sense. He's battling his own family. The fight against the, the, the bad generational habits. I don't even like to call them generational curses because I think it's just bad generational habits that's been passed on from generation to generation. So he's battling this and there's not a lot of people that you know I had in my life to really, really, really talk to. I remember <clears throat> my mother gave me money on my birthday. And I was about 15 and I went to a truth bookstore which was there in Southfield, Michigan. It was a suburb right outside of Detroit, but it was a black bookstore. And I bought nothing but books with the money she gave me. And I went back to her and I was like, uh, and she's like, uh, what you do for your birthday? What you get for your birthday? I said, I bought these books. She said, you bought, you want to, that's what you bought for your birthday? Some books? And she, you know, and she said that. So my mom, like I said, always been my number one supporter, but she didn't understand that. And she kind of like had a, like a, a look on her face like, oh, what? Like, you bought that some books? Well, yeah, you so, you know, it's like me. So, that's, yeah. It's like, you bought some books? <laughs> like, you know what I'm You know, so we all a part of that environment. So, it's me dealing with people like that. My mom and it's me dealing with, you know, older men in my family thinking I'm weird because I guess I ain't chasing the girls like they they was chasing more. How they think a young man's supposed to chase them? You know, it wasn't like I was, you know, no, it wasn't definitely wasn't a, a, a gay guy. You know, I just was bashful. You know what I'm saying? I was very yeah. bashful. Yeah. Because there was a lot of things inside of me that didn't have. I didn't have a lot of confidence when it came to approaching the girls at that time. You know, because it was something inside of me that made me think I wasn't good enough. I didn't feel good enough. I remember walking around and I used to think people was making fun of me, but it, people didn't realize that not only are we growing up in dysfunction, but look what this kid just experienced. Look what he just witnessed. Yeah. And he had to go to a trial. You know, he's worried about the family retaliating. He's worried about going anywhere, running into these people. I, I was paranoid. I couldn't focus on that. But no, I didn't have people to really talk to about that. I, I was the only person in my family that was doing any reading. I was the, person, the only person in my family that was doing any, like, real soul searching. Everybody else just took life as, oh, this is just how I'm supposed to be, and this is nothing more than that. This is just the block. This is the neighborhood. This is the world. And I... I had to go to see that it was bigger than my block. It was bigger than my city. It's a whole other world out there. And see, and you see, know, and I wanted to get to the other side of it. Yeah, and see, by listening, listening to that, it, it just tell me, it just tell me you were destined or predetermined to do the things that you're doing, right? And even though this is the opening or the yes. beginning of it, you still have a greater work to do, right? So just by listening to that, it, it, that that kind of just lets me know. That you were you had a predetermined idea or you were destined to do exactly what you were doing at that time and now here's the fruit of it, right? So 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 I'm I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say this time and time and again because one of the things I love, man, is to celebrate my brothers who are out here doing stuff like that, man, because again a lot of us don't get the celebration or the acknowledgement that I think we, you know, are well deserving of. You know what I'm saying? So so I take it upon myself, man, to make sure I congratulate Every brother out there, man, is, that's doing something that could be, you know, looked at as small or even a larger stuff. So, congratulations again, man. This is a, this is a great feat. 
and I'm sure that there's more to come. So, I really, I really appreciate that because yeah, we man. definitely don't celebrate each other enough, and we definitely don't appreciate each other. When, I appreciate each other enough. Sometimes we feel when we give a brother credit, oh, you on this yacht, or you you riding him or something like that. No, I just yeah. appreciate what the brother's doing. I don't uh, mean I'm you know kissing his butt. I just appreciate what he's doing. No, man. I mean that's 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 something that has to be done. You know what I'm saying? We got to begin. We got to begin or continue to can you know encourage each other. You know what I'm saying? Because we encourage each other in foolishness. You know what I'm saying? You know what? Yeah, we encourage each other in all kind of crazy stuff. But but at the same time, you know, we got to begin to encourage each other in, in in goodness and righteousness and in our gifts and talents and stuff like that, so we can actually help to create a society in the world where where the children that's following us up can come behind that which brings me to my next question so have you done any kind of uh, I know this is you know we're still in a pandemic and everything but have you thought about or have you took you know taken your book and went and found some young men to be able to read that book too you know what I'm saying because you have a story that's very relatable you, you understand what I'm saying so yeah. so uh, I'm sure that if you were to begin to read that book to a lot of young black men who are going through some of the same things that you're going to, going through or have went through, they would be able to see themselves in that because that's the other thing about it too. We had we got to be able to show ourselves, you know, and control our own yeah. narratives, which is one of the reasons why I started the podcast. You know, I wanted to be able to show our show show us and tell our stories and control the narrative for us. So, uh, have you done anything like that yet? Have you went to any kind of book readings or maybe libraries to be able to, you know, to, to see if you can actually read your book out to, you know, a crowd of young uh, young black men? Up and up until this point, I haven't uh, done that just yet. But I do know a few weeks ago, I did an interview with other podcasters. It was a, actually a black married couple in Dayton, Ohio. I believe the Fly For Us podcast. Uh, that's the name of it. And they were, and they purchased my book, and they wanted me to come down and speak to their students. Mm. I said I'm definitely down for that. Yeah. So that would that, be probably the beginning of that. So it's definitely in the process. It's definitely in the workings. Okay. Yeah, man. You know, by all means, you know, of course, safety first. You know, always take God with you. But you know, our young black men need to see us as older black men being able to, you know, help nurture them. You know what I'm saying, and cultivate them, and I think that would be a great, a great uh, form for you to be able to, to do that. You know, with the young brothers. You know, because like I said, your story is very relatable. I even see myself in the book, even though I'm an older, older gentleman. But it's again, it's very, very relatable. And uh, I'm glad you wrote that book. So again, the book can be picked up on Amazon. It can be picked up on Amazon. It can be uh, picked up in paperback, and it's also uh, ebook. Now, is it ebook? Is that on like a Kindle or something like that? Yeah, see, you can uh, it can uh, go to your Kindle because you know you purchase the ebook on Amazon, it is sent it directly to your Kindle. Okay. You know? Okay. So, yes. Okay. Yeah, man. I, like, if you don't mind, brother, if you don't mind, can I like read just like one page? Brother, you can hey, go right ahead. It, go ahead. I'm not gonna say a word. Go ahead and read that, brother. This, this <laughs> stage is yours. Okay. And then I then okay. Then I like to uh, elaborate on something that's right after that. Yes, sir. So it should be real, very, very quick. You don't have to make it quick. Talk about the things I was going through. 
Listen, okay. you you on my show, you don't have to make it quick. You know what I'm saying? If it's something that is is very important, you, you the stage is yours. Go ahead and do what you have to do. Alright, alright. On the surface, things seem to be getting better. But I was still holding a lot in. Occasionally, I would still cry when I was alone because I felt alone. Even gaining knowledge of self didn't totally stop my depression. Sometimes my temperament would be like a roller coaster. I would be feeling high one minute and low the next. I masked all this from my friends and family, but inside I was dying. I still never really left my block other than going to the usual places like Burger King, school, and the store. I rarely spent time with my extended family members either. They often would be at Grandma Annie's house, but I would choose to stay home. Ironically, when I was home by myself, I felt free like no one was watching me or making a mockery of me. Nevertheless, my self-esteem sunk lower and lower and my depression grew deeper. Then my mom told me she would give me help. I told my mom that I sometimes felt like killing myself. She sat crying in a river as she looked on hopelessly listening to me. Her only child told her that I wanted to take my own life. To her, I probably seemed so lifeless as I sat on the edge of her bed next to her. When I said I wanted to commit suicide, she was utterly surprised. She had no idea that I felt this way. The facade of happiness that I wore while around my friends and family was just that, a facade. Of course, like anyone who was very depressed, I had a good time. I had good times here and there, but for the most part, I felt empty. So I just want to read that, that little small passage right there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you said and you were going to elaborate on it? Yes. And so, so I did talk about that earlier depression I went through, but I did want to speak, you know, just uh, briefly towards when I was a youth counselor. And when I was a youth counselor, I was it was a maximum security was juvenile facility. It was basically prison for young men. And it was young men that from ages 12 to 21. And I know I went through it, but I realized how fortunate I still was when I became a youth counselor because some of those kids' lives was much harder than mine was. You know, I was exposed to what I was exposed to, but I was exposed to pretty much everything. Yeah. I was surprised to see some of that family, family dynamics. It was kids in there from 12 to 21, and some kids were in there from, from murder, some of those boys were waiting to turn 21 to go to prison for the rest of their life. Some of them was waiting to turn 21 to see if they were going to either get let go or they were going to go to prison for the rest of their life. It was a 12-year-old in there that was in there for murder. You know, some of them had been raped, molested. Some of them had actually raped. And it was just like, and I was on the trauma pile, so it was trauma. It was layers and layers upon trauma. And I had layers upon trauma, but they had even more layers than, than I had in many respects. And even their family dynamic was so crazy that they didn't have nobody ever told them they loved love they ever told them that they, that they loved them excuse me now my mother always told me she loved me and even to this day we always tell each other we love her on the on the daily and i just realized that like man i mean i was really fortunate i remember some of the some of the young men some of them had kids too and i mean one of the young men i was explaining to him he was worried about what his child's mother would be doing while he's locked up and I told him the truth I said in all honesty because he, he you know he was exposed enough that he understood where I was coming from I said in all honesty he can't really worry about that because the honest with you some women some young women that they won't mess with guys while you're locked up there I said a few of them will be actually loyal to you depending on how long you're gone I said some of them will mess right. with a guy and you know when you when you get when you get out they might cut it off and some of them will mess with a guy when you get out you know they might still mess with him or some of them may leave for the other guy. I said, this is the reality of the situation. I said, you can't worry about that. You got to find more reasons to live than just for a woman. You know, because people going to come, people going to come, people going to go. Right. My mother told me when I was young, she said, you may meet a woman and be in love with her. 
And one day she met with the, out of the blue and decided she didn't want to be with you just like that. Yep. But you got to you know, be able to bounce back from that. And that's just, that's just a reality. But I was amazed at how empty a lot of us was inside. You know, and there were so many guys that was like me, like I used to be. Because my thing is this, like you got these guys out here invested in these women like that. You will leave it, a lot of these women getting killed by men when a man understands that if she leave, I still got life. I still got a purpose. There'll be other women out there. You know, and it was, I was just amazed about that. And one youth I got so close to, you know, it, uh, he grew up in Eastern Michigan, which is basically, it's a, technically it's a black suburb, but it's really a hood now. You know, you got some suburbs where, uh, good place at one point, but I just like the hood. So he grew up in Inkster, it's a suburb of, of Detroit. And this youth I got real close to, and he had a lot of traumatic, a lot of traumatic issues as well. He was born, or I think, with, with fetal alcohol syndrome or something like that. So you know, he, he had he had deep anger issues, deep deep anger issues, and and I was proud of him because I was working with him. And he was coming along, he was coming along, and then eventually, you know, I, I left the. Uh, the job in the youth council because it became so draining to me. I was going home and I was thinking about the job and and I was you know, I couldn't really focus. I had to say I had to for mental health reasons I had to get up out of there myself because it, I mean it's, it's very very draining being in there. You've been cussed out, having to restrain kids and all all kind of mental illnesses some of them have. So it, it's it's really a lot a lot to deal with. But I left when I left and I told him I was leaving. I told him I wanted to you know you know keep focus, but. Technically, we you know we can't have contact with the kids for two years, which I think is kind of crazy, especially if you're like a, the first person that ever came in their life to really help them. So, so like so, last year. So, so real quick, so so you're saying you can't. So after after you made contact with them and had a relationship relationship with them, once you leave, you can't have contact with them after two years. Yeah, for for two years, you can't contact them for two years a- after you leave. Yes, which I think is crazy because that you know you might be the only one, yeah. and that's why I think it's, it's systematic. You know, it's designed to be that way. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's designed to be that way. But so, like last year, he was just on my mind, real heavy. And I was like, I was like, whatever happened to whatever happened to James? You know, because that was my guy. You know, I was proud of him. I was like, you know, he sounded like my little brother in there. You know, you know, they say don't get too attached, but I was proud because he was saying all the right things. He had skills. He had to be breaking it people houses and stuff like that because he had skills already. He had skills I now. You know how to put drywall down and have some trade skills already. I said, man, you don't have to do that. You got skills for life. You can feed yourself for life. He had a son as well. I just had a son. He was only 16. So he was on my mind heavy and then I just, I just put his name in on Google. The first thing popped up was obituary. Oh, get out. And I was like, man, you know, yeah, and, and I, I was crushed, man. It just ruined my whole day. It ruined me for like that whole week. And I just I, I told my mom about it. I was like, man, I was like, I told my friend, like, that, that just hurt me because he didn't even make it. He didn't even make it to eighteen, you know. He didn't make, and his son is two, and our son gonna grow up in the same type of, most like the same type of environment he grew up because I don't have his dad, you know, and he's still there. And I was like, man, and I found out, of course, he was he was murdered by another teenager, and the guy that actually mur- murdered him, like. I talked to one of my old co-workers I actually came to the facility that I used to work at so that was crazy because they knew James and I knew the guy who murdered James yeah yeah man that's uh, you know stories like that are heartbreaking you know but 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 I am going to say again you know your book is going to be a healing for a lot of a lot of young black men 
because again the book is going to be so relatable so i don't think you know yet the power of your story right but we're going to try we're going to try our best to make sure the listeners know of that story and hopefully they will you know hear this and begin to share it a lot more and share out you know information on where they can find your book and and you know purchase your books and stuff like that so yeah man i i I so much thank you for wanting to come on the show and you know share your your story and talk about your book and talk about the things that you are you know passionate about I, i i so much thank you for for wanting to do that we are almost at the end of the show so i want to allow yourself to you know at this point to say anything else that is on your heart is on your mind and you know something something that you can leave with the listeners so you know that they that they know that hey trey song trey i said trey song <laughs> trey, <laughs> trey styles trey so you remember i made that we were talking about the other day and i was like yeah, yeah. Name, your name your name sound like an rb singer or rapper or something <laughs> you know but, but uh but uh but 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 yourself man would you know just just leave a tidbit of wisdom or a tidbit of insight or something like that man with the listeners that you know that they know that you were here okay i just want the listeners to know specifically black men that i know life is extremely hard for us i know it's hard i know we battle people we battle people we battle the system in some respects we even battle our women every step of the way and I know there's not a lot of places we can go where we can feel free not a lot of spaces that we can come and really talk to people about our problems a lot of times even if you have a significant you know lady in your life a lot of times you know you can't really talk about your problems with them because they don't understand it and it's a lot of times women look for men just for strength. So you get to talk about your problems, they may view you as weak. You know, and it's tough. But I think it's so important for a platform like yours, brother, and a platform like mine, for us to connect and to be able to, to talk with one another, to be able to talk about pain, to be able to talk about heartbreak, to be able to talk about, I lost my job, man, or I'm trying to get through this college course, or... I done went to jail and I'm trying to get out and make my life better and I'll be there for my family. We need spaces like this. We need places that we can go and be free and be able to talk about everything above the ground and under the ground. I just think it starts with that and that's therapeutic. And I would recommend brothers looking to therapy. Like me, I'm currently in therapy right now. And I say, I would tell you that therapy is, uh, is, is indispensable because before we can be a good husband good father good boyfriend good friend you gotta you gotta heal yourself and I think it's so important before you go out there trying to you know uh, reproduce some of us we already done it but it's, especially those younger brothers before you reproduce this just try to heal yourself and really understand that despite what you're going through you know you, you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances you can defy the odds I did it you can do it 
I put my pants on just like y'all put y'all pants on. There ain't nothing that's just special about me. I just put in the work. And I come from an environment where I didn't have a lot of people around me that was doing nothing constructive. But I believed in myself. And I worked, I worked hard and I came up out of it. And I just want, some, want them to know that you can come up out of this. Despite what you, you, you're born into, you can come up out of it. You know, you are not born to fail. You are not a born sinner. In fact, I say you, you're a born winner because we got royalty in our DNA. If you know your history and know where we come from, you know, it's bigger than just America. We were here long before it was even called America. We were the first people that people to earth. And you just gotta know that it's, uh, it's only when you're doing good in anything, you know, it's not despite you being black. I'll say it even because you're black. Because we walk in the greatness. And, and I just want the brothers just to know, like, just, uh, just really heal yourself. And be honest with yourself. Even if you lie to the world, at least lay down at night and be real with yourself. When I lied to my friends, I like I was good. When I lied to my family, I got to the point where I realized that I knew I was lying. I knew I wasn't good, but I was honest with myself. I said that's the biggest thing. Like, just be honest with yourself. And if you don't mind, brother, I just leave with this uh, this quote that's right in the beginning of my book. Go right ahead. It says, "Quote: It says, if you are afraid to fail, then you are afraid to succeed. And if you are afraid to succeed, then you are not living." You are just existing until your casket closes. Anybody who has ever succeeded despite their endeavors failed countless times. Go out, fail early, and fail often. Failure really is a good thing because you learn through trial and never what works, what doesn't work, what to do, what not to do. Trust the process, and success will be the byproduct of your failures. I like it. I support that message. Uh, Trey Styles for president. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So it's like. <laughs> So it's like, man, I support that message 100%. And one of the things that I'm a big proponent of as well, man, is actually us seeking some type of therapy. You know what I'm saying? There's such a big stigma with black people in therapy. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's, I think it's generational. Uh, and, 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 and we're going to close. I, I know I'm, you know, I said we're about to at the end of it, but it, there's, there's such a huge stigma with us in therapy, you know, and, 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 and it's, I think it's a lot larger with black men in therapy. Therapy doesn't say you're weak. Therapy doesn't say that you're not masculine. Therapy doesn't take away anything like that. But you got to come to a understanding that we've been damaged. Um, and not just us. In this dispensation of time, we're talking about generations before us. Generations and generations and generations yeah. that carry that trauma. And that trauma has been, mm-hmm. you know, you know, passed down to us. And so we're carrying yeah. legacies of trauma on top of um, the environment that we live in not just our immediate environment but the environment that is you know racist and and and, and white supremacist uh, you know against you know black people and black men seem to be the target of that so it's like you know you carry this stuff so it's like again I'm a big proponent of somebody going out and seeking some type of therapy if you don't want to seek the therapy at least get some tools you know get some type of um, book on, on therapy get some type of you know cds or something like that man some some type of yoga whatever the case may be but you know by all means if you are in a in in, in, a, in a space where you 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 feel because most of the time you'll feel that you're imbalanced before anything else when you feel that imbalance in your in your in your in your person 
go and do something to get rid of that. The weed's not going to help it. The alcohol's not going to help it. Right. Trade chasing women right. is not going to help it. None of that, even money, is not going to heal mm-hmm. any of those wounds that you carry in your person. It's not going to do it. So, at your core, you need something that is going to help you alleviate that type of trauma and that type of pressure. And the only thing that can do that at this point is us thinking, us going to some type of therapy. Yes, you can go to church. Yes, you can pray. But I've often heard from a lot of my elders to say, sometimes that's not good enough. Sometimes we are so deeply entrenched in trauma that praying in a way is not to happen. It's not going to help by itself. You need to go and seek some type of counseling from somebody that is going to help you uproot the things that you have gone through. So I'm glad you said that, Trey. Uh, I, I, man, I support that message, and I'm and, and again, I'm, I'm I'm so happy that you came on the show and talked talked about the things that you talked about talked about. And I want to say one more time for the listeners: uh, you guys go out and support this brother. You can pick up his book again on Amazon. You can get it in the paperback. You can get it on ebook. It is called Black Boy Rise, written by Trey Styles. It was published uh, 2020, right? Got it. Anything else you want to say before we uh, end the episode? I just want to say I appreciate you for having me on your platform. The show is dope and it's definitely needed. And I just uh, really appreciate you for allowing me to you know, share this platform with you. And I think it's important for the brothers and people in general that's listening, but especially my brothers that you see networking is important and we need a team. We all can't make it alone. We got to think outside of just your squad. You know, we got to build a team for nationhood that we're going to be a competitive force in this world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Again, I I 100% agree. So, this has been another episode under the belt. This has been the Black All Things Black Podcast. I've been your host, Mr. Black Ovation. And again, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, anchor just about all the streaming platforms make sure you like make sure you share make sure you give it a comment make sure you rate it and and above all you know just listen and then if there's something of value that you can take away from it please do because that's that's what the show is intended to do thank you again brother trey for coming on the show and i'm going to support you uh, with buying your book thank you very much peace. yes sir Hey, peace and blessings, brother. This is Brother Mark. just want to say, man, that this is a very powerful broadcast, man. Very informative, life-transforming. Keep doing what you're doing, my brother.